and gents, and welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry. Episode 81. I'm joined by Dom. Yes, I'm, I'm Dom. I'm here. Uh, unfortunately, we went, uh, I think it was only a week without a, an episode. I was having a lot of internet issues, so we had to skip a week. Um, but we're back. Uh, we're going to be recording next week as well, and that'll be our last show be- um, before the end of the year. And we'll be back the first week of January. Uh, yes, uh, and Jordan's not going to be with us this week, obviously. Um... Okay, so I didn't have internet, right, Dom? And I was wondering what I was going to do uh, as far as just playing games. I didn't want to hop into something that was, like, unfamiliar because I, I, I'm i not super crazy about achievements, but, like, I still get worried sometimes. Of like, oh, if the achievements don't pop, I'm going to be kind of salty about that, right? Not to, like, a super extreme, but, like, it is in the back of my mind sometimes. Um so I was, I was figuring, like, oh, I guess I'll just play Assassin's Creed Origins because I had started it when I actually had internet. And if the achievements don't pop, that's fine because I'm pretty far into the game anyways. Um, hold, so on, hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold game. on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. The achievements don't pop when you're not connected? No. You have to be connected to uh, the internet for the achievements to pop. Shoot. Um, do they all pop, like, when you do connect, like all the ones you got or something? About ninety nine percent of the time, but I've had a couple instances myself where it just the game bugged out and I didn't okay. get them. All Not right. an Xbox thing, just like a weird coincidence yeah. thing. Okay. Yeah, ninety nine percent of the time your achievements apply. It's just a weird thing to me because like it's happened to me, so I kind of have that worry, you know. Um, yeah, that was a weird tension I went on. It, was, it isn't really that important, but uh, um, Assassin's Creed Origins I've been playing it a lot. Obviously, Jordan has his issues with it from the aspect of it being an Assassin's Creed game. And basically what I said, because I don't want to go too long on it, because uh, we talked about it last episode when you were in here. For me, it checks all of the boxes for an open world game. Like, I'm absolutely loving it. But I do agree with Jordan. Like, the Assassin's Creedness of it isn't at its peak, but I'm okay with that. Like, I loved Black Flag. Black Flag isn't my favorite Assassin's Creed game, but I love that game, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like, at the core of what makes Assassin's Creed Assassin's Creed unique and of itself, I don't think this game does that. But, man, it nails all of the open world stuff so much. Hmm. Um... And I've kind of just been begging for an open world for me to fall in love with because I've talked about numerous times Breath of the Wild just didn't click with me. I have a lot of personal issues with that game. Um, obviously, it's a phenomenal game, and I'm in the minority. I'm not trying to, you know, have a hot personal take or anything. Personal issues? Did it insult your mom or something? No, it just I, – <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I, I hear you. I hear having you. to hear from every podcast and every outlet talking about all of its remarkable things it did to the open world genre, and for me, it's like – I, I even said this last episode, and I know people won't agree with me, and they'll think I'm dumb and all this stuff, but, like, I enjoyed Wildlands uh, open world way more, personally, than, than Breath of the Wild. Um, yeah, and it's just, it's a thing. I don't want to get into it. I've gotten into it multiple times. Assassin's Creed Origins. Loving it. I love the Gladiator stuff. Um, my biggest gripe with this game isn't even the Assassin's Creedness of it. It's the combat. I think the combat isn't great at all. Um, it's probably its weakest point, honestly. Um, hmm. The stealth is still fine. It's not at its peak with Assassin's Creed. Uh, a lot of the other aspects, the climbing stuff, fine. Um, but the combat is not good, in my opinion. Like, it, they, they try to go for this weird mixture of um, from software-style combat and some other type of games like uh, uh, the Arkham games and stuff like that, and it kind of doesn't hit on any of them. A lot of times I find myself uh, just mashing. There's really no strategy to it for me. Um it feels a lot f- uh, like when you uh, 
when you dodge attacks, it's supposed to feel as if you're actually dodging them and it's like precise movements or at least it feels a little bit more precise. With this, it's a lot more floaty than I would like it. Um, and that's just coming from like <clears throat> Dark Souls. It's not even from an animation standpoint. It's just from how it feels like the haptic feedback in the controller and stuff. With Dark Souls and other games like it and with games with really good combat, even I'll give Breath of the Wild, um, when you dodge and stuff, you you kind of feel good about dodging. In this, it just feels airy and floaty. You don't really get a lot of feedback from it. Um, but the Gladiator Arena is really cool because they add a lot of like little traps and stuff that you can mess with, but the combat inside of those isn't really fun. I think the story's good. I, I wouldn't say this is like, oh, story of narrative of the year or anything, but... For an Assassin's Creed game, I think it's checking a lot of the marks for me. Um, I do agree with some of the people saying that the first couple of hours, you kind of don't know what's going on. Um, but it starts to piece itself together, and it gets really interesting. Uh, and I'm loving it. I'm not finished with the game yet. but So the way it works is all of your targets for this game, Dom, are named after animals for the most part. Because um, there's a lot of mythology with Egyptian um, history and stuff in it. So there's like the crocodile, the ibis... They have real names, obviously, but these are, like, their code names. And they're all part of this, like, Illuminati-type uh, group. And you're basically going after them. I don't want to spoil it too much for people. But there's, like, a tier of five of them, then a tier of four of them, then a tier of three of them. And you're working your way up to the, the head dude, right? So I'm now at the tier of two of them. So I have, like, three guys left. Or at least I assume because it kind of looks like a pizza shape going up. Um, like a triangle. Uh, but I'm loving my time with the game. Uh, it's fun. I, I think it'll definitely be in my personal, like, top five game of the year. Uh, I don't think it'll be one or two, maybe not even three, but I'm really enjoying my time with it more than I thought I would. And the only reason I bought it actually is because on Black Friday it was on sale for forty dollars. So was Wolf, yeah. So was Wolfenstein two, and it was just a coin toss. Like it's not that I don't <clears throat> love Wolf. Like I love the first Wolfenstein game. Well, you know the recent first Wolfenstein game, the new entry into the franchise. Um, but I just picked Assassin's Creed Origins because I. I wanted to play an open world more than I wanted to play a narrative experience at that moment. Um, I'm, I'm still hoping to get to Wolfenstein 2 soon, which you'll talk about. Um, the other game, uh, the other two games I've been playing, uh, The End is Nigh is a game from the creator of Super Meat Boy and Super Meat Boy Forever, which is going to be coming soon, hopefully next year. And it's a platformer in the vein of Super Meat Boy, so if you're familiar with that platforming movement, it doesn't really feel like any other platformer. Um, it's very specific to Super Meat Boy. It has that same feeling. Um, so far, the game is interesting. I don't know if I like it yet or not, but I'm I'm interested in it. So basically, the platforming in it is it seems like an ongoing world with different areas, and you're collecting these souls. And that's pretty much all I got so far. Obviously, the main component of the game is platforming, and it gets kind of hard. But as far as like what my goal is and the point of it, all I know is I'm collecting these souls and my video game I was playing broke and so I had to go into the open world and make friends in this post-apocalyptic place. Um, there's a couple of me mechanics I'm not familiar with. So the game is called The End is Nigh. Every time you die, there's a counter on the bottom right that says the end and then a number. Obviously, if I look it up online, I can figure out what the mechanic is. I haven't really had it explained to me yet. So I don't know if the more times I die in an area, it changes things or maybe it changes the end of the game. I don't even know how long the game is. If it's something you replay over and over to see how how many times you how, how fast you can get through without dying, right? Because um, it's marking the death. So I don't know how important those are. Um, but it's fun. It's good. It was only 15 bucks, I think. So even if I end up 
you know, playing this for a couple more hours and not fully loving it like I did Super Meat Boy. Um, I've enjoyed my time with this so far, and I definitely thought it was worth the purchase. I'm just not clear on my objective at this point. I'm having fun platforming, but it just it's kind of loose on what I'm supposed to be doing necessarily. You know, um, sounds interesting. And maybe that is the point of the game. Yeah, it's 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 cool. I like it. The art style is phenomenal. That's one thing I'll give it is the art style is great, and it plays beautifully on the Switch. Like, man, I can't wait for the Legacy Collection for Mega Man to come out on the Switch. I really like playing 2D games on the Switch. Like, if uh, Playdead releases a combo pack, which I don't know if it's been announced yet, but if Inside and Limbo come out on it, I'll buy them again just to play them on the Switch. Like, I just love the form factor um, of it. Um, and we have a story talking about, I guess, a lot of other people love the form factor. We'll talk about that later. And the last game I've been playing is PUBG, Player Unknown Battlegrounds. Winner, winner, and chicken dinner. Exactly. Recently came on an Xbox. Weirdest thing, you couldn't pre-order this game digitally because it's an early access game. Xbox has a, a policy in place that if it's an early access game, you can't pre-order it digitally. So the only way you can pre-order this was physically, and uh, the physical box, which didn't have a disc in it, I'd assume it's probably just a code, right? Um, <laughs> well, then what? What the fuck? Yeah. So in order for... So on Monday, my friends and I found out that the servers were live before 12 o'clock. So we went to a third-party website, which is kind of shady. Not shady in the sense of, like, uh, stealing your information or anything, but I think a lot of devs and people are against it just because of... CD keys? Uh, exactly. Um, and I don't necessarily like purchasing from them either. I'd rather purchase first-party 100% of the time if it's the same pricing structure and stuff like that. But Microsoft just didn't give me the option to. So go to CD keys, bought the key, put it in. We were playing PUBG on Monday at, like, 5 p.m. instead of... Tuesday at 12 or you know what I mean um, yeah so I've been playing quite a bit of it our squad got our first chicken dinner as a group four man squad chicken dinner it was really cool um, how does that work and I, does that mean like one of you won no so our so basically there's three different game modes there's um, solo which there's a hundred people individually right so it's a uh, hundred different individuals there's duos, which is 50 groups of two. Okay. There's squads, which you can either have three people in a random or four people. And basically, as long as one person in your team is still alive, your team still has a chance to place higher, if that makes sense. So say me, you, and Jordan were a team of three, and you and Jordan died, but I made it to the top ten, and then I died. We would still be a top three team. If I'm doing the math correctly, or okay. top three or four. I didn't teams. even know there was different modes. I thought it was only like a lone wolf thing. So no, no, there's multiple modes, and that's why my friends are excited about it. Because like I like playing solo, and that's cool and everything. But to be able to log on and play with multiple people and go in there. Um, so duos, the highest I finished is second with my friend uh, Adam. Solos, the highest I finished was fourth, I think, so far. I don't play solos as much as doubles and uh, squad. And squad, we finished in the top ten. I would say we've played relatively about 30 games, and we finished in the top ten, I would say, about 20 of them. Hmm. So we have a pretty good streak. A lot of my friends uh, are familiar with Call of Duty and COD 4 and stuff, so like we still have that cadence of teamwork, and we work well together. And that's a big thing is like... Being able to share resources, right? The guns and the ammo and the attachments you pick up and watching out for each other and watching each other's back and just being able to communicate. I think a lot of PUBG and multiplayer games in general is all about communication. Um, but 
it's not all happy and good for PUBG. There's a lot of issues with it. Um, me personally, I'm not upset with it. We talked about it before the show. It's an early access game. I knew there was going to be problems. I even knew there was going to be some sketchy stuff considering they kind of got this to console pretty fast and Microsoft promised this before the end of the year and I assumed that it wouldn't be 100% polished, right? Or at least for what you would assume for an early access game, I guess. Um, when you first load into the map and you land, there's some textures that don't load right away and you have to wait a little bit and then they load in and then you have to wait a couple of seconds for the actual furniture inside the buildings to load up. So there's some like processing problems there um, for everything loading into the map and my biggest gripe with the game isn't even that. Like I can deal with the frame rate issues, I can deal with that stuff. Obviously I want them fixed, don't get that wrong, but in an early access experience, I'm okay with dealing with that stuff. The problem I have is the disconnections. Um, you can reconnect to the game, which is great, but you can obviously die between the point of you getting disconnected and you reconnecting. Ah, so your, your guy's uh, just sitting there basically. We've had issues where I was driving a vehicle and I get disconnected. <laughs> so they're tumbling down a hill with no control over the vehicle. Uh, and this game has da- like, if you're in a, if you're in a vehicle going full speed and you jump out, you'll get injured. Like there's physics mm, in this game. Okay. Uh, there's bullet drop, which I love too. Um, but the disconnections are what hurt me the most and what bother me because those are the things that need to get worked out right away. Um, it's one thing to like have to wait a couple of seconds to enter houses and there's some framiness that, that sucks, but to pull me out of the experience like that, every time I get pulled out, I'm like, well, I can go and play something else right now. You know what I mean? That's a point of frustration where like, I'm not in the groove of playing a game. Okay. I didn't, it's different than like playing around and not doing well and then just hopping back into another one. It's you're playing around and you may be on the plus side of the minus side and then you get kicked out and you're like, well, I'm already out of the game. Should I just continue playing or should I go play something else? Or maybe I'm done with it. You know what I mean? That, that disconnect there, because for me, PUBG is all about the one more round mentality, right? That's where it gets people hooked because you're like, I was so close. If I would have just done maybe this one more thing, I could have finished a little bit higher, right? So people are hooked to playing over and over again. I think getting disconnected is, it doesn't happen that often. I would say when we run squads with four people, one of us will get disconnected. At most, two of us will get disconnected during the like 15 to 30 minute match. Obviously, it depends on how long your team survives. Um, so it's not crazy, but it still is there enough to cause issue. Um, but Microsoft and uh, PUBG Corp have been very vocal about they're working to fix this. And, uh, you know, I, Microsoft is writing big on this. So I think they're putting as many resources into, like, get this game working. It's probably sold an asinine amount of copies. We'll find out soon. Um, but they need to make sure that they stabilize it to keep people there, right? So yeah. hmm. um, It's interesting. Yeah. It's I think a- it's definitely worth the 30 bucks. I'm having fun with it. Uh, I knew what I was getting into with early access. All of my friends did too. Obviously, we're frustrated with the problems because you don't want to play a broken game forever. But luckily, I, I have a group of people around me that are like, oh, yeah, it's an early access game. It's going to have issues, right? So that's cool. Yeah. It doesn't give me confidence about, and I don't know what the deal is regarding the exclusivity to Xbox, but uh, the, the current state of it on Xbox doesn't give me confidence about uh, a PS4 version anytime soon, right? If it's if they're still working these yeah, kinks out you know you you figure it just depends on how the deal goes like if microsoft is committed to them solely focusing on the pc and the xbox version right. then microsoft might be like hey we want to keep you exclusive for longer because the moment they start working on the ps4 version then they're splintering the team and like PUBG exactly. corp is growing uh blue hole is growing but you, you know you can only splinter something enough uh yeah i People are like, oh, this it'll probably come out in a year on PS4. 
and like optimist uh optimist enemy says yeah that'd be great it just depends on how much microsoft's willing to fork down like we've we've ran this point into the ground but the treasure trove that microsoft has and it seems like the commitment and backing phil spencer has now that he's uh, higher up and got this promotion I think they're way more willing to be like, no, we'll stuff your pockets, just stay on our platform. You know what I mean? Well, my guess um, has always been that this deal was struck a long time ago before PUBG was ne- nearly as popular as it is now. And I would bet yeah. that PUBG, uh, they're just called PUBG Corp. Is that the developer? Um, or whoever. Is Blue Hole, but now they have a division called Blue uh, PUBG Corp, okay. which specifically focuses on PUBG. Gotcha. I, I imagine that you know they're kind of kicking themselves. Not necessarily, not necessarily kicking themselves because – you know the exclusivity deal probably gave them some good funds initially, but I I would assume they're looking to you know get on everything now as soon as they can, um, given that you know or, while the iron's hot, have, right? Negotiation is all about leverage, right? And when this contract is done for the exclusivity, whether it's a year, or six months, we don't know. Mm-hmm. They have all the leverage now, so they're like, "Hey, Microsoft, we want to be on all these platforms." How much are you willing to pay for us to stay exclusive? You know, yeah, see, that's and what I, there's like sixty million PS4s out there. You know what I mean? Like, there's not. I don't know if there's a number that's feasible for Microsoft to fix fork over that would be worth it, right? Yeah, but I, I don't. I don't remember if Blue Hole is owned by Tencent. I don't remember. They might be. So this argument might be invalid if they're owned by Tencent because Tencent's like one of the biggest companies in the world. But if they're not owned by Tencent, Microsoft could just buy them. Yeah, well, good I'm point. Sure they're owned by Tencent. <laughs> So that could be null and void because if they're owned by Tencent, there's no way Microsoft's getting a hold of them. Um, and who's to say maybe they strike up a deal and what if what if PUBG isn't exclusive, but what if they're willing to bring some people over to make something kind of like PUBG but for a Microsoft exclusive, you know? Like, I don't know. It's, it's going to be interesting. Yeah. I agree with you. There's so many PS4s out there. Like, you would probably make more money releasing on PS4 than you would striking a deal Right. It just depends on the money and mm. all that. I don't know. It's very interesting. Uh, Especially for a community-driven kind of game like this, right? Well, like, this is what's hot right now. Exactly. Know. And also for a game that's mostly digital. Like, if yeah. this was a physical game, I could have a separate argument of maybe the exclusive deal is actually worth more. Um, there was reports of, like, when Dead Space 3 came out that uh, EA got $12 for every copy of Dead Space 3 sold because of... Uh, because of uh, retail markups and all this stuff. So for every $60 retail game sold, the publisher only gets $12 for $60 spent, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously those numbers could have changed or fluctuated, and that could have been a, a specific thing for EA and Dead Space 3. But like there you can make an argument of, like, well, would the 60 million PS4s out there be enough of a difference if this was a physical game? You know, but... Um, yeah, I, PUBG will eventually be on PS4. I don't see a realm where it won't be. Yeah, people yeah. who think it'll be on Switch. Uh, <laughs> yeah, good one. Uh, yeah, this game can barely run on an Xbox One, let alone a Switch. Um, yeah, and the network being a yeah. prime. Anyway, yeah, that's just asinine. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, that's en- enough of that. Uh, what about you? What have you been playing? I haven't talked to you in almost a month. <sighs> Holy guacamole. Let's see. Uh, I played some Persona 4 on an airplane. That was pretty good pretty good gonna get you know gonna keep that going it's good to you can easily drop in and out of that i think um it seems like a common thing where like especially being on the vita people play that game over the course of like a year or two you know um yeah given obviously mostly given the the length of the whole thing but it's pretty accessible to drop in and out of so i'm enjoying that actually quite a bit it's been like 
almost a week now though since I've been been back on that, but it'll come back around. Um, also got back into Resident Evil Seven, so just kind of grinding grinding through that. Me and my wife my wife like to play that together, so it's I really like it so far. It's getting better. Um, the the puzzle aspects of it really cool. Um, yeah. Once you start to at first it's kind of like what the fuck do I do with this? You know, you have like this statue and you're like, I don't know, like this is a key somehow and you don't really know. Oh, well there's this projector and that, and then it starts to make sense. So once you start to understand how some of the puzzles work and how that like what, how the game wants you to act, it really starts to feel good when things start to click. But there is like some moments in the, the initial levels where you're like, how the heck would I ever have known to do that? You know, without a guide type stuff. But well, the interesting thing too I love about that game is how narrow it starts and how wide it becomes. Like, yeah. you start off in this house and you're like, okay, am I in this small house trying to figure out this thing? And then, like, it slowly starts like unraveling to be bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love the characters in it too. Like, people love Resident Evil, and I didn't play the initial ones and they came out and stuff, so I could be wrong about this. But like, this game got me intrigued into like Resident Evil characters. Like, I'm like, oh, the Baker family is really interesting. Like, what happened here? You know. Um, yeah. I'm interested to see how you feel because a lot of people have issues with the third act of the game, and I don't want to spoil it for yeah. you. I don't have an issue with it. It's a transition from the rest of the game, but I I don't think it's as bad as people make it out to be. It's different, but I wouldn't say it's terrible. People are like, hey, the third act completely ruins Resident Evil 7, and it brings it from a top game this year to like an okay game. I'm like, come on now. I don't think it's that bad. But, so I'm, uh, I'm glad you're enjoying it. Yeah, I'm like, I think we're, we're probably halfway through at this point, so okay. I wouldn't have gotten to that, to that you know, alleged horrible transition yet, but we'll see. I I, th- I probably said it before, but like, the combat is really cool. You know, how clunky it makes you feel without having like, full-on tank controls. Like, it is, yeah. you are slow moving and, it, and it's realistic in that sense. It kind of like, makes you think like, yeah, every other shooter is just hyper unrealistic, how quickly you're able to do stuff. Um, yeah. which is can be yeah. more fun you know it's still video games but this really brings you back down into reality like yeah like this is how long it would take you to hunk this fucking shotgun and turn all the way around right and obviously exactly. that helps with the horror elements but but yeah the story and everything is really cool like the characters like you're saying like I never I played you know uh, Resident Evil's 4 and 5 and you don't really care much about what's going on yeah there's some company umbrella corp fucking whatever is on, you know what I mean it's just kind of I never got super into those stories, but this is, yeah. even though it's like, I don't really hardly know anything that's honestly going on at this point. I'm just this family, and they are they've been taking some kind of chemical that's making them it nuts. It starts to and, unravel. Yeah, I assume yeah, it. You'll start to, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm really enjoying it so far. So and it's uh, and my wife loves it too. So it's cool that we can enjoy that together. But yeah, so looking to finish that up in the next couple of weeks here because I've got a ton of vacation ahead of me, um, starting right. today actually. Uh, the last thing that I just got started was Wolfenstein 2. And what I was going to say earlier is you hit the wrong sale because Wolfenstein 2 I bought for 25 bucks on Amazon <laughs> during Black Friday or maybe the day after. I'm not sure. but The easiest way for me to purchase stuff online is through uh, PayPal. And Amazon has this like feud with PayPal. Uh, so obviously PayPal is owned by eBay. Okay. So like – when I'm in a different situation where it's easier for me to purchase stuff on Amazon, yeah, of course I'll go to Amazon. But right now I gotta do I gotta do with what I can, Dom. Don't need to rub it in. <laughs> but yeah, so that was an easy like oh duh, you know, one click buy or whatever. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm. What uh, was it? Was it uh, on the Xbox sale? It was Wolfenstein two for thirty bucks and then forty for the season pass plus the game. 
Yeah, I think PSN had a similar sale, but Amazon had it, you know, the physical, uh, regular, okay. non-season pass or whatever, non-deluxe edition, non nothing included. It was just 25 <laughs> bucks, right? But yeah, and then on, if you wanted yeah. PSN, it was like 30 for the base and then 40 for the one that included the, yeah, I think it was the same. I think Bethesda, I, I do appreciate that where their sales the past few weeks here are actually consistent across each platform. That's kind of cool to see. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, at least it's easier to talk about. I don't know. <laughs> anyway. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so I'm probably just under three hours into it. Holy crap. I think, and I'm, and I'm, like I said, I'm just, I'm just getting started, but this game is good. Like this game is good. <laughs> it's really good. Did you end up, did you end up beating the first one? Oh yeah. Order? Yeah. I platinumed it. Yeah. Hell yeah. It was a real deal. Um, but no, like this game, the, the, the new order starts off kind of like, okay, I, you know. It's going, you know, it's whatever, it's going. This game just starts out like, holy shit, like, this is all happening. Like, holy crap. Like, jeez. Um, the characters, uh, once again, are really cool. Um, uh, probably even more interesting so far than the first game. Um, but yeah, it just, it's it's definitely a, a direct sequel. Uh, not only in, in plot, plot-wise, like, you know, it, it starts immediately after. But in just the everything else about it, like, it's a sequel. Like, this is... A next gen version of of that of the new order, right? So, <clears throat> because remember the new order was originally made on PS3 and then ported. I think I don't know if it was yeah. the timing was that, but it was definitely built for Xbox 360 and PS3. So this one looks much better. Um, uh, you know, it's not the most a visually stunning game on the PlayStation or on this gen, but uh, it looks really good. The, the The gameplay is awesome. It's super super fast. You know, the it couldn't be more. Um, opposite of what I just described about Resident Evil. This is like, you're a super soldier um, and you're, you know, you're fast and not, nothing is heavy to you. It's just every, you know, you're just going and just ripping the heads off Nazis and such. So um, they do this time around kind of justify that in the plot a little bit. I won't say how. It might be a bit of a spoiler, but there is some kind of, you know, way to, to, to make that seem feasible. But um Still the same, like, super kind of arcade uh, gameplay. Um, and I also heard from a lot of people that this game was, even on lower difficulties, was really, really hard. And I didn't get that yeah. at all. Not at all. Yeah. I'm on, like, the straight middle one, like, the the, the very medium one. Like, I think there's, like, seven or something. There's a lot of difficulty yeah. options, and I'm right in the middle. So, um, granted, I did play the first game on the hardest difficulty to get the Platinum, but... This one in the middle is it's easy. I mean it's you know it's it's nice. It's certainly not anything I would ever complain about being too difficult. So I that one I kept hearing that. I, I thought that was odd, but Yeah, I heard that too. I was like, uh goes back to the whole conversation of uh that whole controversy uh where should journalists be good at video games in order to review them and stuff like that, you know. Yeah, that was a good that's that could be a topic <laughs> for another day. Um Yeah. But but what spurred that was this game and I was like this is I mean I don't know. Even on medium, this is not hard. I, and I remember, I think it, it was Greg Miller who said it too. Like, I was like, really? Like, you just came hot off playing like, you know, months of Destiny and stuff. Like, this is, <laughs> this can't be anywhere near. I, I don't know, but I would say that's a non-issue yeah. here. In fact, it's all the different difficulty options uh, make it accessible to probably a lot of people. So, um, even if you have to play on the "Can I play, Daddy?" mode, like. Like, please don't take offense to that either. Like, all right, I'm not, I'm not gonna go on that tangent. But well, this, this is like a perfect marriage, though, for you, right? Because 
correct me if I'm wrong, but like you obviously love shooters and you like love history stuff too, right? So like an alt history yeah. thing yeah. shooter is like totally perfect for you. Oh, it's fantastic. I loved watching uh, yeah. that Amazon show, Man in the High Castle. And this is kind of this is Wolfenstein is way over the top, you know, with like the Nazi robots obviously, and yeah. shit. Like that's the whole point. Um, but yeah, like the alt history part of it is really cool. It, it, it's kind of a, a mystery to me why I hadn't I haven't gotten more into all the Assassin's Creed games. Like I've dabbled in a few of them, but um, overall they haven't grabbed me the way I would think, being someone who likes history so much. But but yeah, you're right. This is right up my alley. So so far, I absolutely love this game. It's fucking awesome. And love uh, killing Nazis of- is just like exhilarating. I just want I don't I want to talk about. I don't even want to say I'm gonna go play Wolfenstein. <laughs> that's like a dumb way. That's like that's like a stupid ass way to say. I, say like I'm gonna yeah. go kill Nazis because a, a dead Nazi is the only good Nazi. Jared, exactly. Exactly, I agree. Uh, no, no, no pushback here. Um, apparently, there's a really cool part of the game, and this isn't a spoiler. Um, I guess in Ro- I'm assuming Roswell, New Mexico. I've only heard Roswell, so the only Roswell I can think of is Roswell, New Mexico. Apparently, you get to walk through like uh, a Nazi-occupied American city, and it's really surreal and interesting. So, can't wait for you to get to that part. Apparently, it's yeah. really interesting. Saw some of that in the trailer. Um, I don't know if it was that same city, but. Uh, speaking of like all history, like uh, Assassin's Creed Origins plays with that stuff too. Uh, there's uh, they work around the whole Cleopatra aspect. Um, you even visit um, Pompeii um, before obviously everything happens with Pompeii. Um, yeah, there's a lot of interesting stuff. It even throws in some mythology, which I love mythology. It throws in a lot of like ancient Egyptian mythology too, with like Sobek and uh, Sir Cat and stuff like that. So. I think that aspect of it's cool. I'm interested to see how successful the educational version of this game is going to be because remember oh, that's yeah, coming out yeah. early next year. Huh. So, forgot about uh, that. It, yeah, I, I love when games are able to put in history, whether it's like altered history or fake history or whatever. Like, I just think I, I'm, I'm with you there. I think it's really cool. Um, let's hop into the news here. We got some news stories. Some we're going to talk about later in the show that are going to be a little bit more deep dive. These ones. Uh, these first two aren't too long. Um, first of all, we didn't have a show last week, so I wanted to talk about and touch on it real quick. Mega Man 11 was announced. Uh, this was during the 30th anniversary stream that uh, Capcom did, and they announced Mega Man 11 is coming next year to Xbox One, PlayStation 4, Nintendo Switch, which is that's probably where I'm going to be buying it, and PC, um, which is super cool. That wasn't the only announcement, though. Uh, we can get into Mega Man 11 more specifically after I talk about the other announcement, which was that the Mega Man... Uh, X games are coming out uh, next year as well in a collection uh, to the Switch as well as the Mega Man Legacy Collection 1 and 2. Um, so it seems like they're all in now on Mega Man. They have a new cartoon coming out too. Um, I don't know if you saw the trailer or not, Dom. Uh, I want to really uh, briefly touch on the art style. I'm not a fan, personally. Uh, I don't know if you've... Have you seen the, the, the caps for Mega Man 11? No. Um, obviously, everyone's used to the classic 8-bit style. Um... This one looks. I don't want to compare it to Mighty Number no. Nine because I think Mighty Number no. Nine's uh, art style was way worse than this. I have just never been a fan of like the faux 3D on a 2D plane kind of thing. I don't think anybody does it as well as Nintendo does, and even Nintendo, I'm hit or miss for them. Um, it just never really vibes with me, and I don't know if it's a personal thing, but it always reads more as like a browser game than it does a full-fledged release. And uh, that's probably more on me. But I guess this is just because they want Mega Man to appeal to a wire audience. And as much as some of us love 18, uh, 18, 16 and 8-bit uh, video games and that retro style, like even Shovel Knight kind of hits on that too, that doesn't appeal to everybody. Um, 
I don't know. I'm just I'm excited for this game and to see what it does because I love Mega Man, um, but I'm not a fan of the art style so far. So, just all I want to say. Yeah, uh, I, I never comments on this. I never played any of the Mega Man games. Like, I couldn't know less about them other than they have like the Shovel Knight style bosses, right? Where I don't know the bosses are like cool in their own thing. That's about all I know. Um, but yeah, I'm I'll be, I'm curious. I want to look into this because. Uh, Especially that it's everything is coming to Switch. That would be a great opportunity. Yeah. Uh, if I had a guess, Dom, personally, based off of what I've heard, your tastes, if you were, obviously this game you might get or you might not get. As far as Mega Man Legacy Collection 1 and 2 and then the Mega Man X games uh, that are coming out uh, for all the, the now-gen platforms, PS4, Xbox One, Switch, I would say you should try the Mega Man X games uh, if you're going between those and the original Mega Man games. Okay. Um, I like the original Mega Man games, but they they are slow, and I don't think they necessarily hold up as well. And I think Mega Man X is enough of a jump from those, um, with a lot of the mechanics and even the art style to some degree. Um, if you're willing to jump into the older versions, I would say for you go Mega Man X over Legacy Collection. Okay. Um, yeah, um, love Mega Man though. It's interesting they they're trying to do something with him. I want to see them flirt with the 3D realm again with him. Um, obviously, they had the, the RPGs and stuff, but 2D is great, but I want to see if they could evolve it into something really special because at the core, I think Mega Man has something really cool in video games. You know, these bosses that you beat them and you gain powers from them, and you can use those, and they better suit depending on what bosses you take out. You can go in an order where it's most efficient to where you can have the powerful stuff against people. That's their weakness, right? And I would love to see that shaped into a 3D world where... Um, Imagine a, and I we always use this reference, but it's an easy uh, an easy reference. Dark Souls games have bosses. Obviously, it's somewhat linear. You can go for some bosses at certain times, and some are caged behind certain events. But I would love to see like a like a Mega Man open world game where it's open. You can tackle any of the bosses out there that you want, and you can gain powers from them. I think that'd be really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I I really love to see what they could do with Mega Man in a 3D space because we've seen. Breath of the Wild, and we've seen Odyssey recently that have brought uh, a new sense of life to these old franchises. Obviously, Mario and Zelda have had way more success over the years than Capcom with Mega Man, it seems, but I would just love to see them dive into the 3D world again. Um, I think, like, Mega Man and Pokemon are two of the franchises that I want to see them explore that, because I just think they're too worried about messing up with those in a 3D space again, so. Uh, Anyways, speaking of Nintendo Switch, quick story. Uh, this comes by way of GameSpot. Uh, basically, uh, the Nintendo Switch has re- uh, reached a new sales milestone. It has sold 10 million units worldwide, uh, which accounts for the first 41 weeks on sale, which is insane. Obviously, a lot of this is due to Black Friday sales and uh, Odyssey and Zelda. Um, if you guys remember correctly, the Wii U uh, lifetime total sales were 13 million. So. Uh, Basically, uh, another part of this report is that um, by its fir- the end of its first fiscal year, March 2018, it'll sell have sold 14 million units. So it would have out. It's projected to outsell the Wii U in its first year. Um, this isn't a surprise to me when you have two uh, fantastic games in its first year, along with everything else that's coming to it. It's hard to have an argument as to why you shouldn't buy a Switch, right? Um, it's. I'm not upset with my purchase at all. I'm not regretting it one bit. What about you, Dom? Like. No, no. The thing is fantastic. Are you, like, 
yeah. everything about it. Um, I mean, before it came out, you know, we were skeptical on some stuff, like a lot of people. Ah, oh, the screen's only 720p. I don't know. Well, it's 2017, and we have 4K cell phones. So what is that? And the the battery life, I was a little bit weary on. You know, around the three hour mark for some games. That is like it's not great, but I mean, it's also yeah. You're talking about goddamn Doom. <laughs> you know, running on a handheld. So yeah, you you can't exactly. temp, temper yeah. your expectations. But yeah, overall, I absolutely love that device, dude. It's fantastic. It's crazy um, that they're able to bring the the AAA games they have onto this platform and portably, like not just like on a small processor and everything, but like it's portable. Like I was literally playing Mario Odyssey on an airplane. That's fucking bizarre if you think about it. Like this is a, as good, if not you know, this is frankly better than you know ninety eight at least percent of the other console games that came out this year right obviously that's subjective but it's up there right yeah. like it's great and same with breath of the wild like that's everyone's game of the year and frankly like looking back the back at the game awards it was kind of to me it didn't get enough credit that they took the switch games out of the handheld category also because yeah that's bizarre to me like i guess they want to make it fair but whatever to me like that switch game should be the handheld game of the year anyway yeah. it just goes to my point that yeah like it's crazy that this is all on a handheld thing um, but then obviously not only are we getting these AAA games, but all these indie games and all these smaller games uh, and so on are just, you know, rounding it out. And then you get some some third-party stuff going on, which is, you know, Bethesda's making a big push. Um, you get a, a Ubisoft crossover game with Rabbids, and, and it's good? Like, I mean, you have Skyrim, Minecraft, Skyrim? and Rocket League in your first year. All yeah. three of those games are <laughs> sold very well, you know? Yeah. It's insane. The, the only thing, um, the only, you know, my only, like, fuck off with it is some of the third-party games seemingly it's just exclusive to the sports games are just crap ports uh, which i don't like to see yeah um because to me this would be a great platform i would love to play like get into some sports games on the switch but if not if they're as gimped as they are and i don't know it's inexcusable to me really when when you see skyrim and doom running on this thing near flawlessly it's like come on just put in the time yeah and like it's it's really interesting because I got the Switch solely for Mario. I've talked about it since the thing released. I'm like, I'm getting this thing for Mario. And obviously, I had the, the privilege to be able to play Breath of the Wild as well. And though it didn't click with me, um, I still think it was it was a, a great experience for me to have. But like these last couple of weeks, I've talked about non-Nintendo games. I've, uh, this week, I talked about The End is Nigh, an indie game. Golf Story, an indie game. Uh, uh, SteamWorld Dig 2, an indie game. Like, it, it's... I I think this is uh, no surprise to people now, but I do agree there was a lot of us who were worried about it because we hadn't seen anything like this, and Nintendo proved us wrong. And this was uh, a very important console release for Nintendo, and they've nailed it so far. And I'm excited to see what V2 of the Switch is down the line of what exactly they work on. Um, but, man, I'm still excited. Like People are like, oh, what does Nintendo have next year? Like... Honestly, even if they coast out and at the bare minimum coast out next year with all of the indie games coming out and we get like a couple of ports, that would be satiated enough for me on top of the fact that we have an Animal Crossing game rumor for next year. We don't know when Metroid Prime 4 is coming out. We don't know when the new Fire Emblem games... Yeah, exactly. Uh, Fire Emblem is, is marked for next year. Um, Pokemon is marked for next year, which I think that's the one that's probably going to oh, slip yeah. to the following year. Um, that's going to be the big one when yeah. it does hit, though. Probably more third-party stuff we don't know about yet. Exactly. Like, I have no worries about the Switch going forward, and uh, it's no surprise it's outselling the Wii U. No surprise there. 
the next news story here, I wanted to go over this real quick personally. Uh, as you guys know, I've talked about previously on the show, I've played the Sea of Thieves uh, Alpha. Um, I enjoyed my time with it. So Rare basically came out today and outlined its progression system. And I don't want to get too much in the weeds on it. Um, but this is kind of like a, a really interesting direct correlation to the problems Destiny 2 has had. Where people feel in Destiny 2 the progression system is simply a number. And there's no reason to do anything outside of seeing the number get bigger. Um, as far as end game goes. Um, with a lot of the microtransaction decisions and stuff like that. Rare has come out and said their progression system is more than just a number. It has to do with basically... Um, you know the, st the stuff you accumulate and the the prestige you you get and all this stuff more so outside of the progression system are all the little activity I want to say activities because that makes it sound bad but the world what they've added to the world so I explained to you Dom that when I played the alpha there was essentially one person you went to and talked to and delivered your treasure to you'd go and get treasure come back it was kind of like a, that was the gameplay loop in this update, they basically talked about uh, in the open world, you can go and explore without having any quests, which they call, uh, I don't remember the name of it, it starts with a V. Um, uh, I can't remember the name of it. Anyways, their quest system. Um, you can just go out and search the open world, you can dive into the sea and find weird objects and stuff, and even random treasure chests. Um, weird trinkets and stuff when you come back no longer is it one person there's three different like factions or people that you kind of all of your stuff kind of revolves around there's the treasure hunters um, pretty aptly named they're the guys who give you like hey we heard there's some buried treasure here or there and it's not only you get to that point and you dig up the treasure a lot of these places have puzzles or areas you have to work your way through and try to get to the actual prize you come back you give them the, the, the gold and you exchange it for stuff the second person is a trade vendor. Um, they think of like the uh, the East India Company or something like that. You know, they basically are trying to control the goods around the world in the Sea of Thieves, and you can bring them supplies, obviously like food and rations, or they're looking for specific animals. And this is something that I thought was cool. So the more you progress, the more species of animals become available to you and your crew. And they'll basically be like, we need this stuff. Here's some cages. They give you the cages. You get on your boat and you have to go find these animals and literally catch them. Like you have to run behind them and catch the animals and bring them back. And they showed like chickens and pigs and snakes and stuff. Um, so right there you have a little bit of variation where you can try to like gather resources for this company. Or maybe just be a treasure hunter depending on what kind of pirate you want to be. The third person which might be the most interesting to you is are these like sorcerer magic looking people and basically they want you to go and rid the world of the undead so they'll give you quests that are basically like we heard there was like this legendary pirate and his undead clan of pirates that are holding off this fort we need you to go and get it back um so not only are there these caves and islands you can explore but there will be entire islands that are fortified and you have to go in there and attack it. And some of these forts, Dom, are so protected with so many people that you might have to team up with a, a group of rogue pirates on another ship that you don't even know if you can trust them. Like, when you guys finish defeating the, these these uh, skeletons and this undead, are they going to take the treasure for themselves and kill you guys? Are you guys going to split it 50-50? You got um, to enlist the wildlings, Jon Snow style, huh? Exactly. Like, and these are random people. You don't know if they're if they're trustworthy or not. Uh, it seems like you can upgrade your ship. That they didn't really get into it. The couple of ships I saw looked drastically different. One of them had a shark's head on the front as the mantle. Um, and that's another thing. There's sharks in this game, so I don't know if sharks are one of the things you can hunt. 
Um, they showed off the sword you can use. They showed off the flint pistol. And uh, they basically talked about how, like, the weapons aren't the main focus. It's all of the experiences you have. So they want people to get really good with the the sword and the, and the flintlock pistol. But I also did see somebody holding a sniper rifle. So I do think there's ways to get, like, long-range weapons or maybe different stuff. But that's not the whole focus of it for progression uh, explicitly, which I like because the last thing I need is another game where I'm chasing down more weapons. You know, I would like to have a game where, no, you have to get good with these specific weapons we give you. Like they showed this guy throw a fire barrel off of the back and waited for another rogue ship to come by and he shot it from distance and it exploded. And it seems like it's a, it's a sandbox world with a lot of structure in it. And Rare seems to be shuffling out these updates of what they're adding and they're listening to the community. So when this game actually comes out in March, I'm interested to see what else they add. I was um, going to ask, do you think this is all pretty new and based on feedback? You know, feedback of, yeah, it's cool, I think, but there's not a whole lot going on, not a lot of purpose. Um, so they came back and said, oh, well, here's an awesome think, progression type. And there's more stuff to, I don't know, work towards, I guess. Well, it also depends on what they had gated away for the alpha of the things they didn't want people to see, right? That's what I'm asking, whether uh, or not this was planned yeah. already. Yeah, I guess. What do you think? I think I think it's a little bit of each. I think it's they have a roadmap of all of these features they want to add. And basically, when they hear feedback from people, it's either, oh, confirmation of we either need to move this up the list of importance, right? We need to get to this quicker than we thought. Or it's like we need to add, we didn't even think about this we need to add this to the list i think they have a roadmap of everything they want to add by the time this game releases and this is a game that looks like it's going to be updated post release i think they're just listening to feedback they have their their kind of timeline of what they want to add and they're moving stuff around based on the importance it seems like to the community um there's going to be an open beta coming up soon so i think that's going to have a lot of feedback to it too rare is a rare is a studio that i think does a really good job of listening to their community and they know people love rare and i think that they understand they don't want to ruin that relationship when people think about rare it's an automatic happy nostalgic emotion that comes to people and this game is shaping up to be really cool i'm really excited to see where it goes and these these additions help fortify the idea of this being a full-fledged release that people want to spend money on you know um in a world where these games of service games aren't living up to um the post game or late game um kind of systems and microtransactions are fueling all this stuff that's another thing is they showed off a store where you just buy all the stuff with the gold you earn from the treasure chest like there's like some shoes for like 30 gold or this really cool like jacket for 300 gold and it's all in game you earning it um and that's another thing i want to touch on real quick the variety of clothing in this game is really cool dom there's the traditional you know the red black and gold pirate getup i saw there's like this more like 1920s 1930s u.s navy kind of look if you know what i'm talking about mm -hmm. um there yeah. was a guy who looked like a spanish like uh conquistador kind of with the with the very tight armor not so much european uh armor but more of the the spanish type armor sets with the the crowned helmet um a lot of different looks a lot of customization you can get a hook hand you can get a peg leg i would love if you can get two peg legs or two hook hands that'd be hilarious <laughs> Jesus. um I'm interested to see if there's going to be a pet system in the game. Um, that'd be cool, like having a pet monkey. Monkeys are pretty close to uh, pirates as far as like you know Monkey Island and a lot of different games or a parrot or something. I would love to see uh, some more uh, like a pet system. I would love to see a bunch of instruments added because there is the ability to play music with uh, other people. It seems like it's going in the right direction. Um, 
if this game hits, it'll be great. Because uh, we've worried about Microsoft's exclusives, but if they could hit this PUBG straight into into uh, Sea of Thieves, and we don't even know when State of Decay 2 is coming out, um, I think having these games that are multiplayer focused will satiate people for the time being because if you're if you're not satisfied by these multiplayer games and you only want Microsoft single player exclusives, you probably already have a PS4. And that's not saying I don't yeah. want Microsoft single player games, but I do think this is going to satiate the crowd enough if they deliver. So we'll see. It's very interesting. Um, sea of Thieves is my biggest question mark of. I don't think it'll be bad, but I'm interested to see how good it will be. You know, uh, interested to see how the how the the community takes it. Uh, because we've never really had a game like this, uh, an open-world pirate game. It is kind of like the question. I think that's the biggest, like, we're not really sure what this is going to end up being. I mean, quality-wise, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, so far it looks very good. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they have the full backing of Microsoft. Uh, how long are we going here? Okay, so we're going to go through these kind of quickly because I want to get to the, the the big news, the last news story. But we're going to go through the Game Awards announcements real quick. We didn't have a chance to just, uh, talk about these last week. Um, nothing too crazy. There was the new 50 versus 50 limited uh, mode for Fortnite, which is interesting. I talked about it before. I played Fortnite. I didn't enjoy it. It was a little bit too... It wasn't what I was wanting out of a Battle Royale game. And even though PUBG is as broken as it is, it's delivering on it more than what Fortnite has. I have friends who have PUBG now, the same friends I talked about earlier. They played Fortnite, and they were glad to delete it once PUBG came out. They played it for days. It just it didn't hit for them just like it didn't hit for me. Um, but obviously there's tons of people that love it. So that 50-50 mode looks interesting. Um, speaking of PUBG, uh, they showed off the desert map, which is coming, I think, in the next couple of weeks to PC and it's going to be coming in late January for Xbox I believe or maybe the first couple of months I don't exactly remember what they said uh, it debuts on PC on December 20th though um, and that's cool I think the biggest thing for PUBG is to make sure to constantly deliver uh, new maps um, I think that's the only way that this game can get stale is if there was one map that you played forever now that they're introducing another map you know, people are like, oh, that'd be cool if there was a jungle map. That'd be cool if there was this map. I think adding in more maps and adding in, they've been working on the weather system too. That adds a lot of replay value to the same map, right, Dom? Like if there's if there's only a couple of maps, but like it could either be foggy or raining or snowy or, or windy, like wind changes bullet projection. Um, adding weather can kind of help them stave off having to deliver maps really quickly, but they still have to deliver new maps. Um I don't think this is a game that's going to have Call of Duty number of maps. I think by the end of next year, it might have three maps pushing four. Um, but, yeah, I thought it was interesting. Uh, the desert looks cool. I want to see if there's any new vehicles. Uh, and, obviously, there's going to be new guns. Um, the next announcement came after what was the most bizarre interview I've ever seen at the Game Awards oh, yeah. with Joseph Ferris. Um, I really was intrigued by what he said about EA. Uh, where he said, you know, publishers fuck up sometimes. But the more important thing was he said, we have 100% control of uh, of, of everything. All of the money goes to him and his team. They, EA hasn't really stood in the way. And it's something good to hear. Obviously, EA screwed up with Battlefront 2, but I think Joseph Ferris wanted to tell people, like, no, Way Out's fine. They've been good to me. It's not like they just trample on everybody, right? Which I thought was very interesting in, the, in this current climate. Um and obviously, people have to understand that 
EA is a big company. It's not like a dude at the top that's specifically making all the decisions for everything, you know? Um, people are so worried about Anthem, and yeah, there's some worries about the microtransaction implementation, but that's Bioware handling it. That's not necessarily DICE as well, so it's like, yeah, you can be worried, but it's not like everything's going to fall in, in the same exact way, right? Um, I don't know. That whole speech was weird where he kept saying, screw the Oscars. is very odd. Um did you catch the bit, uh, Dom, about a way out where only one person needs to purchase the game, essentially? Yeah, that's interesting. Did you catch that's that? That's very interesting. Yeah, so yeah. they basically, you know, you have to play a co-op with somebody. So I think it was a smart decision to be like, well, if we're forcing people to play it online with somebody, then let's make it so they can have a friend who doesn't need a purchase and they can play it with them. Um, and it's very interesting to see the progression of Joseph Ferris as a game developer because his last game was Brothers, which was two people you controlled both of them so i do think he loves the aspect of two characters working together um and now he's taking to the next level not only two characters but now two people using those individual characters so uh a way out is interesting that's another game where i could see that game coming out and getting eight to nines and tens i could also see that game coming out and getting like six and seven yeah yeah it could be anywhere. just depends on exactly uh i'm interested in it though super excited um, I don't know if they released a price point for it, though. We have the release date of March 23rd, but I don't know if we have a price point. It's going to be interesting. If that's a $30 game, I think it will sell way better than if they try to release it at, uh, like, $60. Um, let's see here. The next, uh, the next, uh, announcement was World War Z, the game. Uh, okay. Yeah, I just, it looked like, oh, yeah, we, we have a movie coming out. Let's, uh, have a game for it. Didn't look really interesting. The From Software tease was interesting. Shadows Die Twice. People don't know if this is Bloodborne 2. People don't know if this is Tenchu. Because uh, Tenchu has to do with Shadow Ninjas. Um, Bandai Namco, as of recording this, is having a private invite-only conference in Paris tomorrow on the 15th of December. Um, so people are speculating. People are getting a look at whatever From Software's new game is. Or so... um, maybe... I read a little bit more about this. So they said that okay. whatever they showed at the Game Awards... Um, they weren't. They won't be talking or showing anything more about it until next year. Something along those lines. Okay. So whatever. Okay. Yeah, the event they're doing um, tomorrow. Now. Maybe it's for Code Vein. Then I assume. Could be. Well, that's what I was going to say next. Is there's been a lot of heavy rumors on a about a Dark Souls remaster, and even including Ooh, the yeah. Switch as a possibility. Now, I know that's again rumors. I don't know, but that's the rumors I'm hoping are true. Um, but I I'm, I did read that they they officially said that. The Shadows Die Twice game that was sh- shown at the Game Awards, that's not uh, – they're not going to talk th- about that again for a while. So I'm okay. pretty confident that's Bloodborne 2 though. So You think it's Bloodborne 2? Uh, I'm yeah, going Tenchu to will it. Weird... I'm going to will it into existence <laughs> that it was Bloodborne. Tenchu – well, the thing is it's probably not going to be directed by Miyazaki then because remember he stated specifically he's not going to be working on any Bloodborne or Dark Souls games. Yeah. So I'm assuming he's working on Armored Core, I would assume – and this might be I'm, – I'm sorry, I don't remember his name, but the guy who directed Dark Souls 2 possibly or maybe somebody else. Um, if this is Bloodborne 2, it's not directed by Miyazaki though. Um, I don't think anyways unless he yeah, lied Most likely, yeah, unless something changed after yeah. what he said, yeah. Uh, man, a Dark Souls remaster would be so great. On Switch, um, man? That's it. I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'd be hesitant, but I'd want to check that out for sure. Just it happening, period. Yeah. I, I just want a world where we have a Mass Effect remaster too. I just want that as well. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, next up, we had the announcements of both uh, Vacation Simulator, which is from the devs of Job Simulator, coming to PSVR, 
uh, which is a really funny transition, as well as Accounting Plus, which is coming to PSVR, which is the um, Crow Crows Crows game. Um, they're the guys who made Stanley Parable, as well as Squanch Games, which is Justin Roiland, the creator of Rick and Morty's uh, dev company, which was Squanch Tendo. I'm assuming he got a cease and desist and I had to change it to Squanch Games uh, if I was a betting man. Um, next up, this was my personal, if I'm thinking about all the announcements, not trailers, all the announcements, I think this is probably my favorite announcement of the Game Awards as well as my up there with one of my favorite trailers, In the Valley of the Gods, which is from the developers of Firewatch. Uh, Campo Santo. I liked Firewatch. Uh, I know people are very mixed on that game. Some people loved it. Some people didn't like it. Uh, did you see the trailer for In the Valley of the Gods, Dom? Uh, yeah, I didn't really. I don't know. I didn't really know much what was going on, but <laughs> I know I didn't play Firewatch, well, I think... and I, I don't know. I wasn't too into this, so I think I was like yeah. distracted while this trailer was playing. I, I love this. I just love the music choice. I loved. Uh, you didn't know what these people were doing there in the in in the pyramids. Um. I don't know. I, I really enjoyed Firewatch. It just is, is a different game experience, I think. And for me, I like when it, when things are a little bit more refreshing. And I think Firewatch was a game that didn't really feel like any other game I played. And I like that. And I think this game is going to be the same. It's kind of in between a quote-unquote like more gameplay-driven game and a walking sim. They kind of toe the line in between that, and I like that. Um also, I love the name in the Valley of uh, in the Valley of Gods is a, is a really cool name. Um, next up, we had the shadow drop of the Breath of the Wild expansion, uh, the Champions Ballad, which also showed off the new bike, the the motorcycle. Interesting. Uh, I don't remember the name. It was called like the something Bike Zero like, or something. Like the Hylian Cycle or something. I don't know. Something. Yeah. Kind of cheesy. Uh, it does. You know, I'm kind of done with Breath of the Wild, so the DLC doesn't really do anything for me. Um, I'm gonna get cool. into I've it. I got a shadow drop. Yeah. yeah, people are super excited about this. Um, glad that it got a shadow drop because that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, next up, this is something I predicted for E3. It happened this year, but not at E3. Soul Calibur Six is being developed by a producer who also worked on Tekken Seven. I really love the chromat. I always have trouble saying this word. Chrom. Com- camaraderie. There you go. <laughs> that t- that word's always been a tongue twister for me. I don't know why. <laughs> camaraderie. Uh, of the director of Tekken forever coming out and being like, I want to introduce you to this guy. He helped me with Tekken 7. He's the real deal. I want to show you what he's working on. I really think that was really cool, right? For somebody who's like an established, respected icon in the fighting game community to be like, this guy helped me with Tekken 7. He knows what the hell he's doing. He's working on Soul Calibur 6. Well, he didn't say that. Obviously, the other guy, uh, the, the actual producer and director announced it. But I thought that was really cool. Uh, I thought it was, it was a really nice way of being like, I have confidence in him. You guys should too. Um, I think next E3, we're going to get the reveals of all of the characters that are specific to the platforms. It's kind of a, a staple for Soul Calibur. I think Microsoft's going to have a specific character, obviously PlayStation and Nintendo. So look for that next E3. I can almost guarantee that's going to happen. Um, speaking of Nintendo, though, we got the announcement Bayonetta 3 is currently in development exclusively for Switch. And we're also getting Bayonetta 1 and 2 in january on the switch as well which is really cool um i'm not a huge fan of platinum games so these games really don't excite me much um bayonetta 3 i'll be intrigued in and in following its development but i'm not picking a bayonetta 1 and 2 they just really don't do it for me um and i, I don't know if this is like a prudish thing but for me controlling like a woman in like tight leather and stuff it just doesn't really do it for me personally i just i'm not into that you know i don't know it's very weird to me 
Um, it's just a personal hang-up. Uh, it's it's super Japanese in that sense, I guess. Um, I'm seeing if there's anything else. I don't think there's anything else except for the last thing I want to talk about. There was GTFO, with look, which looked interesting, but we didn't get too much. Um, it's That's the like weird like Aliens meets Payday game from the people who made Payday. Ah. Um, but we got the Death Stranding trailer. Uh, what did you think? And I thought this... So, it was my favorite trailer, but I still think that they just need to stop showing trailers. It's weird. I enjoyed the trailer, and I thought it was cool and interesting. But I'm at the point now, and I don't even own a PS4, so you can take my opinion for what it is, whatever. But, like, I just kind of want to see gameplay at this point. It's like, cool, keep showing me a bunch of weird trailers, but what actually is the game? You know? Kojima's cool. I have no ties to Metal Gear. I respect Kojima for what he's done. His mark on the industry is kind of, you know, pretty prominent and obvious, but... I have no, like, loyalty in him, so I'm just kind of wondering when we're going to see what the game actually is, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, I like this one. Um, to me, it was like, there's act- you can actually get somewhat of an understanding of some of the shit that's going on. Obviously, there's, you know, still a thousand questions, like, the whole baby thing is like, what the fuck? But um, you can start to get an idea, finally, of, you know, the concepts like okay there's these invisible monsters and it's starting to make some sense a little bit the previous two trailers were way more abstract in my opinion um so yeah i I thought this was a really cool trailer but uh it's interesting because i'm kind of of two minds of like well just go and make the game like this is all great and dandy but like what's the game you know the gameplay like you said but then it's also i'm trying to start to kind of respect kojima and what he's trying to do and his art style not like art style of the game but like the way he wants to create this thing and i'm i want to start to think of it more as of a thing than a game you know um and you know this is a little bit of me like like stretching here right like i should be more like you like just show me the damn game i want to play a game like what's the game right i'm trying to like open myself up a little bit to be like okay i like i want to just totally immerse myself in what this guy is creating um and go along this journey, even if it includes a bunch of nonsense that's not a, technically a part of the game itself. But I don't know. It, that's about just, as as nice as I can be to the these weird trailers that are so early. <laughs> I agree with you. I love seeing the trailers, and I also like I want to see gameplay. My problem is like the hypocrisy in the situation of like obviously Kojima deserves all the respect he gets. Don't get me wrong, but this dude's gonna come out and show trailers for we're not getting this game till like twenty twenty at the earliest, and even now I think it's pushing it. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to continue to see this stuff and people are going to be excited about seeing this every time but yet we see a game two years before it comes out and people are saying just show us the gameplay already like he's getting way more of a pass oh, definitely. than other games yeah. you know what I mean it's like we're going to see this game for the next like three or four years trailers like we haven't even seen gameplay yet that's a crazy thing we've, oh. seen, we've known about this game for almost two years now and we haven't even seen gameplay a track record will do that right you'll get passes like that sometimes and especially this is a very unique scenario in that not only is it kojima but it's kojima with you know presumably a newfound freedom in creativity that he didn't have before yeah so there is like an extra pass level i guess of like let's just go like let's strap in and whatever you got let's see it type thing it's funny that like two of the most iconic names in the industry right now todd howard and kojima who are two of the people that should easily be on the mount rushmore video games right easily you can put them up there whatever Todd Howard and him have completely different approaches. Oh, yeah. Todd Howard is like, mm-hmm. Fallout 4, it's coming out in a couple of months. Locked tight. Cool. Yeah. Uh, exactly. And Kojima's like, now he's like, 
It's just breathing the experience. The game's on its way. <laughs> the one thing I have to gripe on, I I really dislike the Norman Reedus. I don't even remember what he said at the end when it shows the logo. They're like Norman Reedus, like hiya or whatever the heck he says. You know, at the end of the trailer, it shows the Kojima logo, and then it's like Norman Reedus saying, like, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah." yeah that that was odd. That, oh, I, yeah. I remember that was fucking weird. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm still excited for this game. Trailer was interesting. It's tough for me because, like, I even want to see glimpses of gameplay. In an interview afterwards, he said, like, well, this part, this part, and this part was actually gameplay. And I'm like, was it? Like, what's your definition of gameplay, Kojima? Yeah. You know? Yeah, uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't listen too closely to that because, yeah, you're right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. He said, like, the whole part where you're underwater is controllable and you can spend as much time as you want there and, like... I just want to see actual gameplay by now. Like, I have faith in him. This is a series that actually I could actually get it on the ground floor with. I wasn't there for Metal Gear. So mm-hmm. I, I just want to see, you know, show me actual gameplay, please. I'm begging you. Um, trailer was cool, though. Last story, really quick. Maybe not really quick. Um, the biggest news today, uh, Walt Disney has purchased uh, 21st Century Fox for the headlines weird and misleading. They say $52.4 billion. That's not what they purchased Fox for or the, the properties from Fox. It's They paid them, I think, $8.7 billion, and then there's a bunch of stock and assets. Oh, right. And it's all stock. Being, yeah. being moved around. Yeah. So this isn't – it isn't squarely they're paying them $52.4 billion for the properties. And so b- um, before you get into it, I really dislike how these headlines are written. I saw one from Polygon yeah. in particular that was kind of like – you. the headline said – Disney just bought, um, you know, Fox, whatever, for whatever amount of money. Then the first line in the article says, Disney is now set to buy. This is like very different meaning sentences right there because they haven't bought anything yet. This is not, this is, they've just announced their plans and that the two parties have agreed to do this. There's going to be a, it's going to be a long time before anything is actually exchanged before the deal closes. And then an even longer time before there's, um, all the required regulatory approvals and everything. So this hasn't like happened yet. Most likely it will. Um, but technically this has not happened yet. Yeah. the I think the worst case scenario that happens from this is uh, there's a blockage that they're not allowed to buy all of the properties, like including like the TV companies, and they just had to get the rights to the, the movie properties and stuff because mm-hmm. um, obviously they already own NBC and ESPN and stuff. And ABC, and so obviously, and so obviously, what would happen is the whole thing doesn't get blocked because of that. They just have to, you know, sell those certain pieces or leave behind, you know, specific things. Yeah. If I was a betting man, I think 100% the X Men stuff and the 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 Marvel character properties are happening no matter what. I think. I think it's all the other stuff of the TV networks and all the other convoluted stuff that the FCC might be worried about, which they have bigger problems right now. Uh, And. uh, with net neutrality and stuff. Um, I want to talk about the them getting these characters. Not from an MCU standpoint in the movies. That's a discussion for a different podcast. Um, we know that Square Enix is working on an Avengers game. We know that uh, Idols Montreal in some capacity is working on a Guardians game. Uh, obviously, Spider-Man's in development. And we know that uh, Marvel Games as a branch is working on creating high-quality games with studios that they love. Um, we assume that Microsoft might have a deal in place that they may unveil next year, which would be super dope. Um, obviously, we don't know if that would happen or not. But I think this is huge, uh, Dom, because the video game world in terms of Marvel characters 
isn't split the way the movies are where we've kind of grown accustomed with the X-Men being separate from the MCU characters. In almost all of the games uh, that Marvel characters are featured in, a majority of the time, X-Men are right there alongside them. Marvel vs. Capcom has had a staple of X-Men characters. Doctor Doom, Wolverine, uh, Storm. Um, these characters are some of the top-played characters in Marvel vs. Capcom competitively and characters that people love, and obviously they weren't in the newest Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite. Um, so that, that's great for that, as well as um, the likes of... Uh, Marvel Ultimate Alliance, which was a four-person isometric, over-the-top uh, kind of beat-em-up game, uh, kind of like Diablo. I don't know. I guess I guess a adventure game, action adventure game. I don't really know the specific action adventure RPG, um, but that heavily featured X-Men characters as well. Wolverine, uh, a majority of the X-Men, Cyclops, uh, even Juggernaut. Um, I just want to talk to you about like. Obviously, this is very important for the movies, but do you think this is is pretty important as well for the video games in terms of getting these characters back yeah i'm not super familiar um frankly with even i mean i'm starting to under like the more i read about it understand which characters were yeah. kind of uh, a part of which uh a division before or whatever like i never even thought about yeah there's the x-men are separate than whatever um yeah this probably yeah. will shake shake that up a lot um as far as who's included in what game and and in movies as well i guess but the, to me i don't know this as big as it is, like I, I'm not super like affected. I'm not. I don't, I don't have too much stake in this one, but um, yeah, it definitely should be a big shakeup uh, as far as you know who has the rights to what and and where certain things will where certain characters will will show up. So I just think all I will say is um, seeing this and seeing how successful and kind of uh, cohesive like the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe is in general, like across all media. We like yeah. we got to sit back and take the time to appreciate like that is like this whole thing is a huge accomplishment like yeah the, like the organization <laughs> and it's finally I think it's now being more recognized because the the DC universe is kind of a bit of a mess and they're kind of struggling with like with trying to put this all together like this is hard to do this shit is like fucking this is like you you know a, a management mountain to climb right. Um, exactly. This is not something like, and we kind of take it for granted. Like, well, they should just make this movie and connect it to this and make it be good, right? It's not yeah. that simple, right? So, like, that's what I'm gonna say. And, and they're even trying to make it bigger now. It seems with, with with this deal. So that's it's all really cool that they're able to do this. But um, it's hard to make something it's impressive. It's hard to make something <laughs> with so many different moving parts and so many different rights and everything come together into one universe. That's that's goddamn impressive that that's able to happen. It's so much easier to have an isolated, you know, piece of entertainment, but. Yeah, and I'm not super into comic history, so I might be wrong on this, but in the early 90s, Marvel was filing for bankruptcy. I don't know if that was tied to like the, the fall of comics, um, but Marvel was going to file for bankruptcy, and they sold off a lot of their rights. That's why Sony ended up with Spider-Man, yeah, okay. uh, Fox ended up with X-Men and such, and now that they've built this thing, it's 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 they're just like, no, we'll take all those back. Yeah. Um, just to, to run it down real quick, it's pretty simple, Dom. Uh, obviously, all the X-Men belong to Fox. If they're sure. called an X Men, they they belong to Fox. Deadpool, right? Uh, the Fantastic, yeah, Deadpool. Yeah. Uh, the Fantastic Four, right? And all of the villains of X Men, so Doctor Doom, Galactus, all the bad guys. Uh, so they're all Marvel now. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Silver Surfer too. That's pretty simple. Mm -hmm. uh, if they're an X Men, they belong to to Marvel now. The ones that Marvel currently doesn't own are all of the Spider Man characters. Don't need to get into that. So Spider Man, all his villains, all that stuff. That's still Sony. Um, obviously, they have mixed. Yeah, they have mixed rights with Spider-Man, Gwen Stacy, anybody who appeared in Spider-Man Homecoming. Um, 
the only other characters that Marvel doesn't own fully outright outside of Sony that people don't know, Universal owns Hulk. That's why there hasn't been a standalone Hulk movie ah. uh, in recent years because Universal owns it. Obviously, it's a mixed partnership because like Hulk's in the movies, but he can't have a standalone unless Universal approves it. <laughs> okay. Uh, they also own – it's a character you will not know. His name is Namor, but he's very important. He's like – in the comics and stuff, he's up there with Professor X and uh, Iron Man and all of them. He's like one of the smartest, most important dudes. He's Marvel's Aquaman. Easiest way to name it. Marvel's Aquaman. Universal has rights to him too and obviously She-Hulk. So they're pretty close to getting all of their rights back for stuff. The so- Sony Pictures overall has been not doing well recently, so people assume that they, if Marvel might actually end up getting Spider-Man back too. Um, but as far as the games are concerned, Dom, the reason I'm excited specifically is because it's the Square Enix Avengers game. Who does not love controlling Wolverine in anything, right? Wolverine is part of the Avengers in certain teams, so them having the rights now gives me hope that we'll see. And that game's early in development, we assume anyways. We heard about the announcement in February. Now Wolverine can be included in that Avengers game, hopefully, right? That's cool to me. Might not happen, but the the idea of him being in that game is cool because as much as I love Captain America and Iron Man stuff, nothing beats using Wolverine to just destroy crap, man. It's just super cool. Um, And I think there's a lot of other ramifications in terms of when you have the X-Men are, are so many characters and there's so many of them that are beloved having that many more characters in their belt now to work with, I think even extends their net more for the games they want to make. Right. The more characters you have, the more you can play around with stuff. Like I think letting, uh, Sh- uh Mr. Shifty, right. That game that came out on, on, and this is just a whirlwind dream on switch. Imagine letting that developer make a, a nightcrawler game. Nightcrawler is obviously the mutant that can, that can teleport. Nightcrawler isn't necessarily a property that if they screwed up the game would end it all, right? Like if Insomniac right. screws up Spider-Man, which I highly doubt they won't, that they will. I highly doubt they will screw it up. That that could be catastrophic, right? And people would be, be super yeah, pissed. Be a big deal. If a Nightcrawler game comes out and it's like, man, it's like, oh, look, that, the Nightcrawler game kind of sucked. Having all these X-Men and all these all these characters gives them chance for more risk, right? Um, to let these developers try out stuff. And I think that's really cool if that does happen because Bill Roseman, who's heading up Marvel Games, has talked about they want to get these characters in the hands of people who can do them right. And there's a shit ton of X-Men. Uh, also, it's going to be interesting. One thing that people didn't talk about, I'm going to get into the movies very specifically, very quickly. There's two movies that are coming out for Fox currently. So there's uh, Dark Phoenix, which stars Sophie Turner, a.k.a. Sansa from Game of Thrones. Oh. And there's New Mutants, which is a horror uh, Marvel movie that's c- coming out. I'm interested to see if they... Obviously, I think those movies are going to come out. Are they going to somehow write... New Mutants is the one I think they could easily write into the MCU somehow. The Dark Phoenix one, maybe Disney just decides not to put it out. I don't know. You know? Yeah. It's so, weird. You seem to have a pretty damn good handle on <laughs> um, I, yeah. the whole situation I, and I, possible implications. My only, yeah. my only other stake, and now that I, I was thinking about this earlier, I had forgotten... My my biggest uh, stake in this is uh, is what it means for like some of the streaming services um, because uh, yep. Disney is planning their own streaming service sixty percent of Hulu and and now Hulu this, yeah is gonna be mo- uh, majority majority owned by Disney too it seems like so I'm curious to see how this all plays out granted I'm not right now I have Hulu Netflix and Amazon Prime so I have like Dang. a plethora yeah. of these I don't have cable as a result of that but. So as of this point, I'm starting to like not being so into Netflix these days. But I'm curious to see how this uh, this affects that and what you know everyone's future plans now. I think it's real like 
you know, those three companies are like really like, sh- you know, shifting things around right now. It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. But well, I think it all is going to balance out one way or another. Like, I don't yeah. think any, you know, any big changes are going to happen. There's going to be pieces, you know, uh, shows or movies or whatever, like shuffled around or something. But I think it's all going to balance out. There's not going to be, I don't think this is like some dangerous, huge consolidation of media that some people are worried it might be. Well, it's going to be interesting. So my assumption is that Disney is going to turn Hulu into their streaming service. It just doesn't make sense to me for them to make another service and also own 60% of Hulu. Yeah, It I just know. doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, but I, I struggle with that. See, that's that was my first thought, but then I kind of went back on it. Like, well, Hulu has already exists. Its infrastructure is already set up. Um, who knows how far along. Which makes along, it easier. Well, who knows how far along Disney's service is. and. I, there are ways where you can actually use both and it might appear yeah. that they're competing but they're you know lined up in certain ways where they're actually helping each other um they're well, i'm trying to think of a good example of that where like kfc and taco bell are owned by i don't that's a bad example but you, <laughs> you know what i mean there could be a, some scenarios where they both still exist under the same ownership yeah um well i, I think i think disney making hulu their thing can rise hulu to prominence because Right now, for me anyways, Hulu doesn't have anything that super interests me. I love Netflix for the original content, personally. Like, I'm not one that goes and watches old movies. Like, I love all of the new stuff they come out with. And if Disney ends up working with Hulu and making it their streaming service or working in partnership with it, DC's working on their own streaming service. And at that oh. point, DC has to look at it and Shit. be like, well, if Disney's with Hulu, do we just partner with Netflix? Shit, yeah. Okay, I didn't know that they were yeah. – that makes sense, though. Hmm. Yeah, because they're working on their new Teen Titans series and a couple of other things. So it's like, are they just going to partner with Netflix then? Because if Netflix loses all the Disney stuff, if Disney owns 60% of Hulu, they're not going to put that stuff on Netflix. They're just going to put it on Hulu, you know? Um, This is interesting. Netflix, yeah, 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 how all that shakes up. But in terms of video games, I do think it's going to have a lot of ramifications too that people aren't talking about as much because it's not as sexy as talking about the MCU and all of this stuff. I think... And obviously the streaming service stuff. I think the video game ramifications are are huge too because people have clamored for Wolverine and and all these other X Men characters to be in Marvel vs Capcom Infinite and all these other games. So, um, I just it's not even like a conglomerate thing or people worrying about that like stuff. Just from a pure like Marvel standpoint, I would just love for them to own all of their characters again and not have to worry about it. You know, like I would be just as happy with this deal if it was Disney buys uh, the X Men rights from Fox. Or the X-Men and, and Fantastic Four or whatever. Even if it didn't include all of the other shit, I'm, that's what I wanted the most. All the other stuff is whatever, you know, for me personally. I just want to see them own all the rights to their characters because if they have rights to all their characters, they can make better products for us. And like you said, the thing they've already created is astounding. Like, I don't think people complain like, the, you know, movies these days are just all superhero movies. It's like, no, not really. I mean, there's like four superhero movies that come out a year and there's tons of other movies. Maybe you just have... Uh, shallow like a narrow taste in movies you don't watch like there's a ton of movies that came out this year that were fantastic that weren't superhero movies you know um it's just weird to me that people like gripe on marvel for being as successful as they are and they make good products i could see if they were like releasing all these movies that were bad and they made a bunch of money but they released high quality products you know i don't know no, no. hooray to disney we have a new star wars movie coming out that i can't wait to see oh i will be seeing um, very soon very soon like yeah within the very soon <laughs> within the year uh, let's wrap up the show though uh let's uh get to what we've been playing or what we're, sorry what we're going to be playing uh the end is now i'm going to tinkle uh with that a little bit more uh tinker i don't know i said tinkle i'm a zelda reference 
That's Tingle. Speak, Tingle. Sorry, it's one of the weirdest looking characters. Oh yeah, looks like a weird pedophile elf. <laughs> Uh, anyways, I'm gonna be tinkering away with the end design. Uh, thinking about what else I have in store. Some more PUBG, obviously, and nothing else comes out for the rest of the year. I might start tackling my backlog of games. Uh, I think Tacoma's first on my list, Ooh. and fi- obviously finishing up AC Origins as well. Um, and I'm getting man the new Ed- Metro Exodus trailer that came out that we didn't talk about for the Game Awards. I'm getting that itch to just go back and play through those games again. The most underrated first-person shooters, man. The most underrated. And you can get them for like 10 bucks for both games. They're on sale all the damn time. Oh, yeah, all the time. So good. So good. Uh, yeah, it's pretty much it for me. Going to be seeing Star Wars 2. And, uh, yeah, what about you, Dom? Uh, so I'm going to keep playing Wolfenstein, and Wolfenstein 2, and Resident Evil 7. Otherwise, I probably won't get to it by the time we talk next, but I did grab... Uh, Hellblade uh, send you a sacrifice. Uh, Ooh, cool. It's part of the Game Awards sale. I told myself as soon as it goes on sale, I was going to grab it because that's something that's right up my alley. Um, then I want to check out, but I might not get to. It. I want to get to it by you know by the end of the year, um, for my vacation is up. But yeah, um, that'd be next. So I got a couple things in the in the in the barrel. Yeah, you still have. Yeah, you have. You have like you're you're in a Wolfenstein two, Resident Evil seven, and uh, and uh, Hellblade is a nice little vacation sandwich those are like three very good games and they're all like shorter you know rough generally experience they're single player you know campaign I'm gonna play through them once and then you know that'll be the end of it I'm not definitely not platinuming uh, Wolfenstein 2 because of that asinine trophy uh, (laughs) of having to complete the game on the hardest difficulty without dying a single time or without a checkpoint I can't remember something stupid Jesus it's like yeah Anyways, yeah. And you're also seeing Star Wars tonight, and Jordan's seeing it too. Yes, so. yes. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Rian Johnson, please. Yes. Uh, uh. So we're going to be closing out the show. I want to ask you something. And I'm going to say this at the end of the show now. So please, if you haven't subscribed to us on YouTube, please subscribe to us. Please follow us on iTunes. Please give us a, a review if you can. It definitely helps us. I'm going to say something. It's not a spoiler. It's a theory I have. So if you think even theories are spoilers, thank you guys for listening to this week's episode, and we'll catch you next time. I want to say this on the show, though, for people who are listening. Dom, I have a, sp- I have a, I have a theory, okay? <laughs> Obviously, people are worrying about, is Rey turning bad? Is Kylo turning good? Yada, yada, yada. Who's the last Jedi? Is it Luke? I have my own personal theory. Um, I think, obviously, the, the, the last Jedi thing is, is uh, literal as much as it is figurative. But my theory, and stick with me, so I have no more information than you have. Oh, man. My theory, my theory is that Ray goes to the dark side. I know not too much. Keep listening. Ray goes to the dark side. At the end of the movie, Luke is fighting Kylo or both of them or something. Maybe he's, I'll just say for the sake of this argument, he's fighting Kylo. Uh, he ends up seeing that Ray's there. He thinks Ray's gonna help him. She doesn't. She helps Kylo and they defeat Luke. If Luke passes away and Ray becomes a Sith then that obviously means that there's no more Jedi left. I think that The Last Jedi could possibly be Finn. And the reason I say that is because they're making such a big thing about... He's like in all the press tours and stuff, but he didn't really... Like, he held a lightsaber in the first movie. He's not the Jedi, right? She is, right? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. I think he could possibly be the last... Like, we're all focused on Rey's story, when in reality this could possibly be Finn's story. You know what I mean? It could be just turned for a loop. Um, because they've been so coy on him and what he's doing exactly 
and his character's motivations. We know he's with the new character, um, the the rebellion fighter pilot, the uh, the Asian woman. I don't remember Daisy. I think is her character's name, something like that. Um, but they're so like quiet on what Finn's doing, and we're all focused on Kylo and Ray, Kylo and Ray. But people don't remember like Finn's a huge part of the marketing. Like yeah, he's one of the like he. I wouldn't be surprised. That my theory is Finn is the last Jedi. Obviously, huh. probably not going to happen, but I think people are focusing too much on Rey and Kylo when like Finn still has a pretty strong storyline. Like people are playing him off as he's like Han or something, but to me, it seems like they're playing Poe Dameron more as like the Hanish character. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's very interesting to me. Finn is the most interesting character going into this movie for me. Rey. I have my expectations of what I think might happen, and obviously she's awesome. Uh, I love Daisy Ridley, and obviously Kylo's story is going to be interesting, but like, I don't think it, people are paying enough attention to Finn. I don't know. I'm excited, man. The longest Star Wars movie ever. Ugh. Hopefully it's up there with the best Star Wars movie ever. Oh, All the early reviews are, are saying it's good. Ah, I'm so close. I can't even... Ah. I know. Uh, thank you guys for listening to episode 81. We'll be back with episode 82, our last episode of 2017, and the the first or second podcast uh, we come back with will be our game of the year discussion. So uh, yeah, thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for joining me and Dom and we'll catch you guys next week.